so I remember when I used to start coming back out and out to DC in like 2005, and yeah, like <clears throat> there wasn't nearly as much going on then as there is now, mm. but it still felt like something was happening positive for black people. Yeah, right. You had you know Dream turned into Love the Club, and you still had H2O, you still had like Zanzibar, right. you still had your clubs and whatnot. But some of those were like transitioning, right? So you know 2005 to 2007. They finally start saying, hey, you don't need to wear like super nice dress shoes and slacks. Right. You can have jeans and a collared shirt, presentable shoes, mm-hmm. no hats still, no jerseys. Right. But like everything was fine. And then like U Street, look, U Street wasn't oh, always on and popping. It wasn't always, but it, but it was, was always black. It was always everything, black. Every yeah. single thing there was black. And there yeah. was a bunch of good jazz spots. And I remember mm-hmm. walking on 14th, uh-huh. which is kind of like... I'm not saying that I was I was shook walking over on 14th, but I was alert. <laughs> yeah. I was alert. Yeah. I was always yeah. alert. Right now, you you walk on 14th and it's just like, look, like it's yeah. it's cool. But that wasn't even that long ago. Yo, the, that was to, like five years ago. So to take it back to the top, right? My comment that I made was that. So I moved to Washington D.C. in 2009, and now in, it's uh, Richmond, right? Right. Yeah. And now it's 2018, and I feel like the city isn't for us anymore. Yeah. And I'll I'll leave I'll leave it because that's kind of loaded, so I'll just leave it at that. But um, yeah, man, like when I first moved to DC, like first of all, U Street, like you said, was was very black, yes. and it was very yeah. hip hop. It was one of the most yeah. hip hop streets I've ever been on in terms there was of a like lot of good jazz. There was a too, lot though. of great great live music. Yeah. Live the, the loss of live Bohemian Caverns. That, all that. I think that was that, huge. Yeah, that's huge. But like. There was a good local scene, you know, bus boys. The, mm-hmm. the 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 scene around bus boys was like something that I had never seen before. Yeah. Um, bus boys, you was, know, was kind of revolutionary. The, yeah, and so you had like they had like poetry nights, mm-hmm. you know, open mic do. nights. I don't know if they still do that. They yet. still do. And then they had like you know just a good literary scene where you could get a good, you could get some good food. You know, you could grab a cocktail, you could read a book, you could do work there. Like, I mean, it was like. I don't know. It was. It was. I think what it was designed to be, right? Like yeah. that. That whole like black renaissance type of, uh, of of a of a culture and vibe, and that culture and vibe was kind of spread to the whole U Street corridor, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. And now it's like I feel like we're impeding on U Street. Yeah, we're impeding on these areas. Like it. It feels like, yeah, this isn't for y'all anymore. You know, um, I'm kind of proud of some of the younger cats who've been able to carve a good space for black people in the city. And we know yeah, some of them. Right. Uh, Greg Jack is, is he's been on the podcast. G Jack. And he, uh, you know, the whole thing with the, the stuff to do, do with the wave right, right. is really, really cool. Yep. I remember, I think it was like 2007, 2008, Oye and I had the Black Professional Network going on. Mm-hmm. And it was, we actually had a pretty decent, decent following. I think right. we had about almost a thousand on Facebook at, yeah. at one point. And the events were pretty good. They weren't all like, they weren't turnt events, mm-hmm. and I guess you know both of us had life things going on. So, but see that that's what that's one of the things that I mean, right? Like yeah. you, you said that they weren't turnt events, and, yeah, they weren't turnt. and 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 that's what I think is so dope about it, right? At the time, and and I think you see this in places like New York, right? You can have an event that's sustainable, but it's not chock full packed. Yeah, and and I think that's where you really nurture like a homegrown and kind of natural talent. What I see in DC now is like venues just want to put butts in seats and they don't care what, who, who those butts are, right? Yeah. Like, so as long as they got people that are buying drinks or as long as they got people that are, you know, packing the house, they don't care to create the culture. And that's what, that's the definition of pop, 
right? Yeah. That's the definition of pop culture. You're creating something to try to make it be consumed by the most people that you can possibly get to consume it. Well, I mean, it's and I don't like that. It's aggressive out here, though. I mean, look, yeah. when you when the rent goes up the yeah, way that it that's went true. up, that's true. Some of these venues don't really have a choice. Yeah, you know, I remember that was always a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. Was how do we, you know, bring folks together in an environment where mm-hmm the venue can get money in and we could try to get some money too. Right. It was always, it was see, always, always tricky. The second point that you made was always our second, our second point. Yeah. Right. Like, and mm-hmm. so I remember, I remember when you and I used to, you know, throw our joint or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was most important to us was, was we had two things that were very important to us. And I mean, these were probably things that we didn't even have to discuss, but we knew they were important to us. One, we didn't want our people to get charged at the door. Yeah, right. We wanted people that. to be able to come in for free. Two, come as you are. We didn't yeah. want any like pretentious dress codes or anything like that. Like, and and that was so that we could create an environment that people felt comfortable and like you know could sure. just enjoy themselves. But um, you know when you when you like what you're talking about with they got to pay their bills and that's 110 percent true. But yeah. I feel like one, for one of the things I feel like a, some of the folks that we had that were our our creatives, I'll call them um in terms of putting together events and really trying to create the scene for the city. We've lost some of them. Yeah. So you look at Modi. Modi's a good example. Shout mm-hmm. out to Modi. Was you it know. Uh, DC to DC? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Modi is a, was a, a DC, you know, uh, person who, who threw a lot of events and things like that. They, and one he, of the things he, he still, tried to do. He still did a uh, Trilectro, right? I think he might still be affiliated with it. I think he is. I'm pretty sure he still does Trilectro. Or at least he... He started it. He, uh, he and the, his team. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, just him. Yeah, yeah yes. of course, of yeah. course. But yeah, so I mean, we had some folks like and that that were also, in this scene. He was also... I think he was also part of Rock Creek Social Club. Was. Not was. anymore. Right, right. right. But um, was, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, so you had some folks that were in the scene. And shout out to Rock Creek because they, mm-hmm. they're, they're still doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're doing a great job of, of, with the stuff that they're doing. But you had folks in the scene that, you know, had their finger on the pulse of the culture and were willing to try to, you know, stick their contacts, their network out there to create spaces that, you know, really just kind of spotlighted the social scene and, and, you know, were about that more than just butts in seats, getting people to come out, packing the house. It was about, you know, like even the idea of Trilectro in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. You look at the nexus between electronic music and hip hop urban culture. That That's kind of always been there. So it was, it was fairly innovative of them to say, you know, let's create this festival. And it's a little bit less what it was. When it first started, it was like one stage was completely like electronic and mm-hmm. the other stage was like, hip-hop everything now uh, all these festivals kind of morph into right. something else yeah and you, you kind of can't control that i mean you know to some degree but 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 the fact that they took that concept and they brought that here to dc mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't have that prior uh, to not prior to that um no. and so i mean i just i really respect that and i and i i see it kind of going away from catering to the burgeoning local culture and towards like yeah, yo, we gotta, we gotta, let's get this money, let's get this money, right. and, and, and in and out, right? Like, like a robbery. No, no, no names. <laughs> no names, but there's some promoters, man, that I, I really don't respect the way they conduct their business, and you can tell that they're not trying to create a lasting impression in the in the local scene, or you know, make friends. They're really just here to like get whatever money they can, exploit the scene as they can, and 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 get out. And I I don't, I don't like that. 
Yeah, you're going to get that anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was one of the issues that we were kind of running into. Right. It was just to like, what kind of promoters that do we want to be? And yeah. Oye is probably a little bit more money motivated than I am. And not in a bad way. Damn Nigerians. Nah, but it's not It's not even like that. It's not even like I'll that. It's not even like that. It, it's a... <laughs> I knew you were coming with that. It's not in that way of what we're talking about, right? Right. But me, I was always about like quality and product, right? Which is Mm -hmm. why I did so many things for free. That's Mm -hmm. why I recess, uh, which by the way, I think we're probably going to end that. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And so that's speaking a, of these these yeah. damn promoters. Well, see, that's the thing, though, <laughs> right? Like, we started Recess in two thousand and nine. Right. Um, and for those who don't know, Recess, Recess was essentially you. We went out to a space in DC twice a summer. Where we would go out and we just play like a bunch of kids' games. And yeah. I remember Corey was the one who had the original idea. He's mm. like, "Look, you know, I want to go and run around like I used to. There's no spaces for that right, right. anymore." And so we created that, and we had a, a pretty sizable following for, for, for a while. Yeah. I think the most we, people we ever had in an event was definitely over 100. Wow. Yeah, and to, to try to organize that, yeah. you know, kind of became a nightmare. Uh, we've had less and less people over the years, but then, you know, like we've been doing it for nine years, and yeah. so you kind of get tired of that. But at All the right. same time, too, though, it's, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about. And it's a good thing, I think, that we're we're stopping, right? Because mm-hmm. we weren't necessarily motivated by the money. We were mm-hmm. motivated by folks having a good time and people right. still have a good time. But now we are no longer, it's no longer fun for us. Right. I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody in Groove Enthusiasts, but it's no longer fun for us the way it used to be. Yeah. Um, particularly for myself and for, you know, folks like Coit. So now it's just like, well, it's not a really a money-making endeavor. Yeah. We don't need to force anything out. We don't, you know. I agree with you, man. Like lines. when 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 it's not fun anymore, like that's when you you take your creativity and you you do something different. So. But getting back to the original topic, I think that the the peak time next the the next time to be in DC in my opinion was from mm-hmm. 2009 to 2011. Yeah. It was right after okay. Actually, you could even you could even say a year prior to that, uh, we'll say 2008. Yep. Yep. Uh the reason why 2008 gets it is because Barack Obama secured the nomination. Oh yeah. Uh, the Democratic nomination. Oh, yeah. And so that was a really fun time to be in D.C. Oh, yeah. Bars were staying out later, or bars were staying open later, particularly during like inauguration time mm-hmm. because people just wanted to be out there and it yeah. was just, it was crazy, oh, crazy it was a great, stuff. It right? was a great time. But the reason why I think that that was probably the best time to be in D.C. is because mm-hmm. it was a, a, a period of transition, right? Mm-hmm. It was, you know, the, the crack era D.C. was officially like, coming to an end Mm. if you will Mm. um which made it great for you know other educated professionals particularly black professionals to come out and you know spend their money uh network with individuals grow a community Mm -hmm. Um, but the thing is is that despite the fact that dc knew what it no longer wanted to be it Mm -hmm. hadn't necessarily made its mind up in terms of what it was going to be Uh, in terms of how we saw it now the dc all the the, you know the powers that be the organizers Mm. the um, you know the businesses and the uh, who the landowners and whoever mm-hmm. they had a they had a clear idea and I I know some folks who actually saw this way before anybody else did. Okay. I'm not going to say their names, but I remember I was out in D.C. one night. It was like 2011, mm-hmm. and I ran into someone who's uh, somewhat of a big mover and shaker. She no longer lives here. I think she's like in Cali or something like that. But she mm-hmm. said she had just come from a meeting about keeping U Street black. Not DC black, keeping U Street black. And right. this was at the time when U Street was still was very black. black. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you don't necessarily know all the things that's going on. Um. But this thing, this place is about to change. We're trying our hardest to keep it from changing. Wow. Right? And so this is when, like, I think Law Society had just opened up. Mm. Um, 
you know, Marvin had been an establishment. We already talked about. Right. Um, we already talked about Busboys and Post, which was revolutionary. Right. You had Eatonville, mm-hmm. and Liv was still holding it down. Like yeah. Liv was still doing his thing. But there were some other early indicators that you know U Street in particular was about to go through some heavy transitions. Mm-hmm. And you know, she was absolutely right. I mean, you look at. I remember. I think it was a couple summers ago. I was driving around U Street um, for my first time in a long time, and there was yeah. a Warby Parker. On <laughs> yeah. ninth and yep, you, and I was like, "That's fucking little Ethiopia, yeah, right? It's gone now. Like yeah, it's complete. Nah. Like little Ethiopia. There's yeah. a, there's still a few uh, shisha spots. They still got yeah. some of their uh, Angela spots. Still got a Tete. I just Abisha had Market. this exact same conversation. There's still a few locations. You there. go over there, and it's like literally that that row, that street was all Ethiopian businesses. Pretty like, much, was, yeah. I mean, with the exception of I think there's a concert venue on the on the right hand side. Um, that I don't think was Ethiopian owned, but I think everything else there was Ethiopian owned. Yeah, and it's just like to see it now. I, you know, I remember. Uh, I think it was 2014 to 2015, New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. I met an individual who lived on 16th and T. He had just moved there. I think he'd been there for a year, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a white dude. And I asked him, I was like, you know, what do you think about the neighborhood? He's like, oh, you know, it's a really nice neighborhood, but I don't know why there's bars on the window door of the convenience store. <laughs> and I was just like, I was almost speechless. Yeah. I was like, how do you not fucking know the history of the neighborhood that you uh, just moved into? Yeah. And that's a very obvious thing that you could ask about. You know what I mean? Like, how is this? You've why been here for you? a year and you're just now having this conversation. <laughs> that makes no sense. Yeah. And I mean, DC is, as you said, right? It, it, it aspired, aspires to be a commuter city for, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, it's a city where, I mean, you have you have Congress here, right? Yeah. And then you have all the staff that works on the Hill with Congress. And, you know, so, I mean, I, I, to some degree, the, the transformation makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely it's definitely still changing and has changed a whole lot. I mean, even just 14th. Yeah. I think there was a, a period of time for whatever reason that I just hadn't driven down 14th street. And then finally, maybe, I don't know, six months ago or, or nine months ago, I drove down 14th to go it's to U street changed. and it's completely changed. Completely changed like, yeah. I mean, the only thing that was there before was like Titanic two and that, and that Popeye's and the, um, that arts, the arts center, the, um, the theater. Right, 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 right. And pretty much just a little closer to the Logan circle. Right. Yeah. And then everything else was like, I mean, it's just it's just totally changed. No, HR fifty seven used to be on Fourteenth and R, mm. and HR fifty seven was um, actually a random tidbit. The reason why it's called HR fifty seven, I want to say that that was the law the Congress passed mm. that issued that uh, jazz was a national treasure mm. and needed to be preserved. So okay. the venue was named after that. Nah. Eventually, they had to move to H Street. I'm not sure if they're still there. Um, I haven't been there uh, since it moved to H Street, and I don't like I said I don't even know if it's still there. Yeah. But there used to be a bunch of jazz spots that were around. That. Oh, I used to go to these all the time, mm-hmm. and it used to be right there. And yeah. walking to Fourteenth mm-hmm. and R, you know, you had policy there. Policy was one yeah. of the early ones, yeah. uh, right there, Fourteenth and T. But yeah, I just remember you just had to keep your head up, had to stay yeah. alert. And I mean, even you know, not not just that, you know, like I was one of my boys was posting about, uh, and we ended up having a conversation about the wharf mm-hmm. you know i mean you yeah. look at what, what southwest what southwest used to look like and what it looks yeah. like now you wouldn't even recognize it I so mean, so yinka and i uh <laughs> when he first moved to dc he had a job 
I know it was in Southwest, right? Yeah, Department of Ed was my client. Right, right. And I, my client was Coast Guard. And so for about three or four days out of the week, I would go down to the Coast Guard. And at least once a week, yeah. sometimes twice a week, we would uh, have lunch at the, what was it, the Cantina, Cantina Marina. Marina. Cantina Marina. <laughs> uh, good times. Food yeah. wasn't very good. But <laughs> it, wasn't. it was outside. It was a summertime. On the water. Yeah, it Perfect. was great. Yeah. The, the bartenders knew us. It was, it was a good time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, so I used to be in Southwest frequently. Yeah. And then just, I think, in February, I went down to Southwest for the first time in like a year and a half. Nah. And I actually got lost driving. <laughs> and I don't, when I'm in places that I know, I don't get lost right. when I'm on the road. <laughs> I so every once in a while, I might feel like, oh, that's right. I forgot this turn goes this way. But like, I was literally like, wait, what is this? Where is this? Yeah. How do I get back onto the exit that goes to, <laughs> D, to, that goes to, to Virginia? Right. I have no idea where the fuck I am right now. It was it was crazy. Remember back when uh, H2O and Zanzibar yeah. and all that was there? It's just, that's a it's good time like H2O. A, yeah. Never went to night the Zanzibar. Day. Yo, but like, it's just wild, man. It's just so different. Like, I remember when it'd be like, yeah, H2O's closed for the month. Somebody got stabbed. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like, we're, like we're talking about but night and day he, DC he, difference. The, the crazy thing, though, <laughs> is that um, I think when I really knew that shit was, was changed for good was when there were venues that were getting shut down for having incidents like that. Mm -hmm. But those things didn't used to get shut down before. Oh, no. It'd be like, like you might get shut down for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just it's, it's right back open. Now it's right, just like, right. no, oh, someone got killed? No, your liquor license is done, and yeah. you got to vacate the premises. You're moving the fuck out. Exactly, and you know why that was being done. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely don't want to put the misconception out there that we're celebrating the times when violent <laughs> events would happen but it's just to, goes to show how different like how different things are now than they were then and you know it's sad to say that that kind of was just the norm and it was something that we knew about and we just kind of dealt was, with it was something that we but, knew um, about it was something we were dealing with it but we could deal with it because it felt like our city yeah it no longer feels like our city there now. you go there you go. Even as a as an outsider, yeah, I felt an affinity to it. Like like we were talking about U Street and how hip hop U Street was. Mm -hmm. Like I just felt at home in that culture. Yeah, and that culture is not present anymore. No, well, you know, well, I will say though, like I said, black folks have definitely been able to been able to carve out a niche for themselves. Yeah, in the city. I mean, yeah. you look at Marvin now, right? Mm -hmm. When Marvin first opened up, the only time. It wasn't really a black spot. Except Monday. Except Monday, right. which, which it took Jamil a long time, mm. apparently, to make that a thing. Mm. It became, it started becoming a real big thing, I want to say, in like 2009. Okay. But he'd been doing it supposedly for like five years before finally, oh, wow. right. like, it became known that Marvin was a spot Monday night. But yeah. any other time you went there, mm -hmm. you weren't getting, you might still get some good music mm -hmm. um, because the DJs would mix it up, but the crowd mm -hmm. was different. Now yeah, yeah, yeah. you go there Monday, Saturday, Sunday, mm -hmm. is nothing but black folks in there, which it's is very great black. But it's, it's also younger, right? Whatever. So, like, I mean, just, you know, it's also from, our, people our, from our perspective, I don't know how it was for Howard students previously yeah but it seems like you know howard students traverse the city a lot more which that's probably a positive i thing. think that's a good thing um and, but but marvin is is heavy like you know like 
college age now, which is really different from what it was, Man, you know, when we like were there. Cradle robber in there. I mean, you 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 kind of a little old to be in there comfortably. No, I'm just like <laughs> I go I go in there with the crew. Nah, and Marvin's, we just we have good time. There's some I'm, old folks in there too, though. There's yeah, a lot for of old sure. Heads but in it there, but it be it skews young uh, younger than it did before. That's probably true. Um, and so that, that that is again to go back to you know the wave and and, and those cats. Like yeah. I shout think out they've to them for done doing, for them doing that thing. I think they've done a very good job of incubating and you know really just cultivating this this crowd of like younger mm-hmm. folks who want to be active. They have district running collective. Yeah. Um. You know they they've done some also some similar things to kind of what you guys did with recess. They have Project Black Flag mm-hmm. for people who mm-hmm. want to do flag football. They had the um, I think they have a basketball one too. They did have a basketball. Yeah one so they they've, they've got things for people to, outside of just partying right mm-hmm. um and so you know creating all of these environments for folks to get together and do lots of different things you know encourages people to get out network know other yeah. people and then you know that that translates into uh, obviously being able to do all these other things uh, yeah. as well so i mean that is really really dope to some degree we're aging out oh, yeah. of, of that. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I mean they've, you know, created some niches for me. I mean, in in the yeah. sense that I remember from like 2013 to 2016, I wasn't really going out all that much. Mm. And you know, part of that is because the Afrobeats for your soul crowd, you know, mm-hmm. Lunchbox Theory, they kind of started shutting down. Yeah. They felt like their crowd wasn't you know it was a little transitioning a little too much wasn't what it used to be mm-hmm. and so you know underdog was able to keep doing things with okay africa but yeah. even that was kind of difficult to yeah, sustain yeah, yeah. And, you know they had to move venues because trapacalia when he tried to do his okay africa events it was okay africa music it wasn't okay africa crowd mm-hmm. you know what i mean because again it was just like that you know those, those people that we had there either they stopped coming out mm-hmm. or they, you know, their spaces were being invaded to the point where they didn't feel comfortable anymore. Yeah. And I was part of those people who was like, I don't really feel comfortable coming out here anymore. Right. I want to be around these folks. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm leaving. And so now, you know, there has been a wave of new folks that come in and say like, nah, like, you know, my money's green. We're going to drink here. We're going to party here. Yeah. And you're going to deal with us. And now I'm like, all right, cool. I got, I got spaces to chill now. <laughs> right. So in that perspective, I mean, it's, yeah. it's cool, but. I think going back to the original point that there was a time mm-hmm. when at least I felt like DC was my city. Yeah. And it's still kind of my city now, even though I, I don't live here. But it's not, it doesn't feel the same way it used to be. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely, I mean, look, I can't even park anywhere now. Yeah, that's because, crazy too. Supposedly uh, they're putting a parking deck on you though. They've been working on it. Is that what years. that is? That needs yeah. to be a parking deck. Yeah. It's it should be right around um it should be right around the Howard Theater. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah, the one that's uh, like on like Sixth and T, I think. Oh it no, is. no, no, no! I don't think that's where it is. I, I heard that there's one coming like on like Twelfth and you, you like is that, that what area it is? or something. Yeah, it's like it's it's fairly close to like the epicenter of where where things are going on. Either way, before they put up any more condominiums <laughs> and apartment buildings or whatever, yeah. they've got to get the parking situation figured out. Yeah, I mean, because before, you know, my safety spot in terms of parking uh, was probably like. I don't know, like 11th and V or whatever. Yeah. And then I had to push it up to Florida. Yeah. Now you can't even park up on, on 11th and Florida or whatever exactly. because people live there. Yeah. And then now it's just like, oh, you can't park here until midnight. Mm. 
fuck y'all like come it's on nuts. Y'all. it's nuts man but, but and and i think that's the kind of thing that aggravates me is because mm-hmm. you know black people used to live in these spaces right. and had no kind of political power at least yeah you get the sense they didn't you and look now, now right like even the parking that is available it'll be like you have to have a permit to parking exactly. from these right exactly. and, and that's like when black folks lived there that no none of that was there no they, had, they had freaking prostitutes in front of the either, park that nobody cared they didn't have <laughs> either they didn't know they had a voice or they had a voice and no one was listening they didn't mm. they didn't have any good representation mm. or these folks who were, who were moving in bitch all the fucking time and I maybe that's it. the case I, I i don't know but it's just it's though those are the types of things that really frustrate me when yeah. i remember coming out and there were not many white folks around the way things were, and then now all of a sudden you got an entirely different type of demographic coming in. Mm-hmm. And how quickly these changes come into place, it's just yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Either people before here didn't care or no one was listening to them. And these Which venues, I find that hard to believe, that, yeah. that, that no one cared. Yeah, these venues, I think, right, like you said, right, it's, it's competition. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, the, these folks are, are, are going to this place and their money's obviously green. So it's like, if I want to keep my place... You know, I got to try to bring some of that traffic in. They got to feel comfortable as well. And obviously catering to to the concerns of, right. of, of that demographic. So, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting, though. The, the way we even got on this, um, <laughs> we were supposed to be talking about the new edition Heartbreak album, which we might still get to. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about it because we were just talking about how Yeek and I were out Friday night. We had just missed each other. Yeah. The group we were with, I was with them and then. I left and then met up with Yinka and I was telling him about my evening and how, you know, we went to the Jimmy John's and there were seven of us and mm. five of us ordered sandwiches. But the people there were pretty anxious to get us out the door. And the yeah. one dude was a black dude and he was like a manager and he kept saying like, time is ticking, time is ticking. And mm. we're like, what are you, I'm right. eating. Like, <laughs> I just bought your food. I'm eating. Do you want me to eat outside in the rain like what the fuck is wrong with y'all yeah. and that's when you was just like look man like this yeah. isn't our city because i i didn't even tell you what, what happened with us yeah, but I'm, yeah I'm so, hear that too. so they came and and they want to go to Ann pizza and i was like hey let's go to Ann pizza so it's me and my boy jimmy we roll up to Ann pizza so we get there it's pouring by this point in yeah. time so yeah. you know i have yo, an umbrella yo. i'm uh <laughs> shout out to the sun that we're just now seeing for the uh, first no, time in right. what's felt like two fucking weeks seriously good god go ahead <laughs> so so it's pouring and um you know, Jenny's with us and Irv is with us. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like, yo, can we go inside? And the security guard has locked the door. There was a homeless man nearby. And so they just locked it. The, they locked the door like, oh, we don't want him to disturb our customers or whatever. Dude wasn't even doing anything. He was just yeah, standing. There. I've had experiences like that. Too. So, yeah. And, and these are two two black security guards. Right. Yeah. So um, so I'm like, can you at least just like let the ladies inside so they don't have to stand outside or whatever? And he's like, just wait there. So we're waiting for like five minutes. Finally, the guy comes out. He's like, all right, you guys can come in and then we're going to lock the door. So we come inside. We lock the, He locks the door. We're there waiting to get pizza. Dude's being super rude. We finally get up to the, uh, to, to the counter to order our pizzas. Some white guy that's working behind the counter says, that guy has to go. Before I know, I turn and security's grabbed my boy and they're throwing him out. And I'm so I'm asking them, yo, what you know, what happened? And the the guy said, he spit. I saw him. And so I'm asking the girls, because the girls are were standing closer to him. I'm like, like, what did he do anything? They're like, no, he didn't do anything. He's just standing there. And um, the guy's like, No, I saw it. I saw it. So they obviously took the word of this guy and and this patron who's willing to pay money, they 
threw him out on the street. So he had to go. Security actually put hands on him and put him outside as a result of somebody saying that he did something, which was nobody, somebody, nobody was that, witnessed. Was that person a customer? No, the person was was one of the employees. He was the the one white guy that was back there, and it was like it's a bunch of black ladies and one white guy. The white guy's like, I he I saw it, and they're like, all right, you're out. So he he got thrown out, you know. But I mean, you know, I say that to say, and I hadn't even told you that story. But when you mm -hmm. told me your story, I'm like, this it's not for us anymore, right? Yeah. The fact that I'm obviously a patron, I'm there to pay. You don't even want to let me inside. You'd rather have me stand outside in the rain because you don't feel like letting me inside, like. Just all of that is is not how U Street was when we got here, or at least no. it didn't feel that way. So I remember, wow, there was something I was reading about the gentrification that's going on in DC. This was like 2014, 15, and this guy articulated something very well. He said that on the park that's between, I want to say, 11th and 12th on V Street. Okay. Right. Um, there's a little park there. It's it's there's a park somewhere mm -hmm. in the in the in the in that yeah. vicinity. I've tried and to park over there so many times. <laughs> you can't do it anymore. Yeah. It used to not be yeah. a problem. You, you know. But there was a there's a little basketball court and mm -hmm. there's like a playground set and whatever. And I think there used to be a sign there that said no dogs allowed. Okay. Because that was a space for the children in the community to come mm -hmm. and run around and feel safe and not have to worry about stepping in dog shit. Uh. And no lie, there was a person there walking his dog, saw the sign, went home, came Called back with his tools, and took the sign down. And when confronted, wow. the guy said, we live here now. It's a new day. It's a new age. Wow. Like, and that kind of entitlement kind yeah. of sums up at least everything that the person who was saying this yeah. summed up his entire feelings about gentrification in the city. Yeah. And look, it's not everybody, mm -hmm. right? Like, Not mm -hmm. everyone is going to do that. But even on a subconscious level, some of that shit exists. It's, it's kind of like when I was mm -hmm. talking about the, the New Year's story. Mm -hmm. The fact that some guy can move to a neighborhood. Like, you obviously researched D.C. Someone told you that, <laughs> that it was okay to, to move out here. Right. And then you don't know why there's bars on on the door for the local corner convenience store. Right. Like, I mean, have you never even seen a movie before? <laughs> like, I, And look, you know, maybe... That convenience store should no longer have bars on it, which whatever, whatever like that's an entirely right. different conversation. But you don't know anything about the city or, or right. you know, Drummer Circle, right? Oh, yeah. Drummer Circle that. was a big one. So yeah. I remember I first started going out to the Drummer Circle in 2007, mm -hmm. and it had been going on for quite some time. Yeah. And this is before there was an article in the Washington Express or Weekend Paper, or whatever. Mm -hmm. When this is so, this is before people started coming out there with their hula hoops and their slack ropes <laughs> and their picnic tables, whatever. Right. This is back when it was pretty much just black folks and a few, you know, esoteric or eccentric others right. who were just in the crowd right. and, just in, and just not impeding on the space, just yeah. being, being respectful, yeah. right? And I remember, I think it was like in 2009. Mm. Yeah. So this is so after that explosion, right? right? After that explosion, and then there was an article in the paper, and then everyone started coming out there, and it yeah. became like a fucking zoo, right? <laughs> after that, though, more and more people started to move into that area. Mm. And they moved into that building that's right next to Malcolm X Park. Okay. And then when the drummers came out, they were complaining. And they had to shut it down for, for weeks and weeks at a time. And so finally, mm. they came to agreement that said, okay, like no drumming after eight 
or something like that mm. you know because in the summertime i mean you know the sun don't really start setting until like right, nine right yeah and, no, those, it was so fun back when when i mean because you you're the person who introduced me to that joint but yeah yeah man that's that's just sad to hear yeah that's so super sad look they came to their agreement right but the mm. simple fact that oh i live here now you can't play drums no fuck you like right. you don't you don't this isn't your neighborhood exactly this is your current place of residence right. this is not your home these right. this home belongs to someone else and even though it had a bad history back in the day no doubt mm. fine but people still lived else. through that exactly people survived and they have stories to tell they have a history there you know yeah. and they do have a right to kind of keep things the way that they that they, they want to and yeah. Look, I'm not saying that things can't change. Um, there's always going to be change. There's always going to be transition, right? I mean, like, you know, if we're going to talk about D.C., we could talk about Brooklyn, right? The mm. transitions that are going on right now <laughs> in Brooklyn. But here's the thing. Yeah. Before that transition, you know, Brooklyn, there was a time where Brooklyn was mostly white, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. you know, and then it became, you know, the whole Brooklyn brokeem and you got all that good stuff going on. So I'm saying that uh, changes happened and the transitions happened. I think there's a difference when when these things kind of happen naturally mm. and when the city kind of put puts things in place yeah. to aid them and then mm-hmm. when the new people come in give mm-hmm. them much more political clout than any of the previous right. tenants that have been there new I mean, people that, come that in and they're really like telling. they're like we don't care what your history was we don't care yeah. what the culture was here it's this now because that's what makes us feel comfortable that's my yeah. issue i don't want to give i don't want to shit on you know the politicians too much i mean look mayor bowser I, I think is trying at least she's inviting actively inviting gogo to come back into the city yeah uh when i was in high school first of all i never went to any of the, the big gogos like every once in a while because they to probably weren't safe <laughs> yeah I, I heard some stories and yeah, a lot my of good stories. friend who was in the gogo basically like he wouldn't let me go mm. right this is back when i was a scrawny high school kid who right. had no muscle and no beef and no <laughs> exactly right i was one of them but you know occasionally i would go to spots around the city that had go-go but i never went to you know the the ice box or yeah. club U or anything like That's that the one i went to oh which one did you I, go to i went to ice box once when i was you know <laughs> i went to uh, oakton high school and it was definitely an adventure right so. <laughs> and so but they basically they shut down all the go-go venues yeah. and they basically there was the times like yeah like there's no go-go in the in the mm. city the reason why you know, if you're Too new violent. here and you're familiar with GoGo, the reason why is because at, at these venues, like it was problems. Yeah. I mean, it was oh, yeah. it, it, the stories that you've heard. They're not exaggerating. Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, knives, guns, <laughs> sex, drugs, all that, like literal sex on the dance floor. Like it was it was, you know, and, you know, for the longest time, venues were not allowed to play GoGo. In fact, I think the only time you would ever hear it is like, let's say you went to Duke City. This mm. is back before it was. Amsterdam back before that was indulged, right? Oh, it was Duke City. I remember indulged, right? yeah. And you know, occasionally you would have a jazz band in there that would like do a little go-go swing on their set, right? Mm. So that was like the only time you were you were really hearing go-go, at least for me. But yeah, so they kept it out of the city for the long time, and now it looks like Mayor Bowser is making active strides mm. to incorporate more go-go into at least invite some of these artists to come yeah, back yeah. um you know you had the rare essence of the tiny desk concert mm. um for the npr that was dope and then just at the funk parade there were at least two go-go bands that i saw jogo and dope. belladonna belladonna dope. ripped it okay. good god they were amazing dope. but um and that's an all-girl go-go band that okay. they're on fire yeah. um so you know some of that stuff is trying to come back so i don't necessarily want to 
shit on her or gray or fancy or whoever else but i'm just saying it's just like damn yeah anyway but yeah i mean you know gentrification is something that's going to continue uh we're just bitching about it (laughs) 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 it ain't going nowhere so yeah and and look like Uh, i said it's not even all it's not even all that bad there's you know there's definitely places for black people to go it's not like you know white people completely run just shit and they could tell you what to do like that's not what it is at all uh, it's just that there was a time when i remember going on u street and feeling proud like damn like yeah. there's a black renaissance going on right mm-hmm. now and that is kind of lost yeah i mean you know at least the book selection has not changed at mm-hmm. bus boys and poets mm-hmm. it's still yeah. very very black yeah. oriented which is good and the artwork on there is, is still good and whatnot but man we oh. should talk about bus boys for a little bit yeah, but we'll go ahead. You got a point. I would just love, you know, like I was talking to uh, Allison at the the party that we, mm-hmm. we had there. Um, Shout out to Allison, and, Lunchbox Theory. Yeah, and uh, I, I was talking about how I asked her if she went to the selection show, which mm-hmm. she said she had, and I, I've been kind of trying to put you up on selection. Yeah. I think you you've listened to them. So. Yeah, I still need to go to um, a show though. Yeah, I've never been to a show. They did a show at um at U Street Music Hall. Mm-hmm. What I was telling her was, selection is like the new us. Mm-hmm. Like selection is like the, like these kids like some of these kids are like I don't know if it, if you listen to selection it'll have like they'll have like juvenile records that mm-hmm. are like mixed with these like electronic like bass lines and stuff like that like it's like it's kids on Ableton just like discovering great music and just putting it all together and making yeah. this like rich sound that's like based in electronic music but just has so many elements soulistic elements and things like that I mean just just really really dope in like creative you know ways. Where it's almost like you're watching a movie that you've seen before, mm-hmm. but recontextualized through somebody else's eyes who's never seen it. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. And so, like, that I just kinda really kind of love, like, love the fresh perspective because it's like, I make music, I, I, I you know, and I have made music. Mm-hmm. I would never, I wouldn't approach music like that, just because I. I I don't see the world like that. So it's really just dope to see music through the eyes of like the next generation, right? Because when I was was coming up, electronic music was kind of just something that white people yeah. did, right? So it's like it, there wasn't really, or I, I'm sure there was more soulful electronic music. Yeah. I just probably wasn't really, you know, familiar with it. You got to so, get into that deep house, man. Yeah, I mean, you, you put me on to like Chicago you know, has uh, some stuff, man. I'm, I'm aware of South that. Africa, uh, man. The South African <laughs> house, you put me up on a lot of stuff. I mean, I, this this cat gave me like two gigs of just South African house that's music. It? Uh, that's yeah, it? You hit me with two gigs, I remember. Uh, oh, but uh, That's not that much. But but yeah, <laughs> I got I got so much stuff from South Africa. So uh, you know, but they're coming from a perspective where the playing field or the plane is just so much flatter, mm-hmm. and so like they're able to you know, I kind of in some ways like my hip hop a certain way because mm-hmm. I kind of come from an era where hip hop was a certain way, right. and like they come from an era where like you literally can ha- go on a streaming service and have access to any kind of music you want in the whole world. We used to have to like sit there and just wait, you know, and then pay $18 for a CD and listen to the same <laughs> CD over and over again, you know, right. until you bought another one two, three weeks later. So just to hear the way they contextualize all of these different sounds and and genres and feels and put them all together is really dope and really creative. And, you know, I would love for DC to kind of nurture its own that because the selection sound is not it, like 
there's a part of U Street where there's DJs, DC DJs that have these kinds of sounds. And I mean, people like Goldlink. Goldlink's mm-hmm. a perfect example. If you listen to his music, you can tell it's it's heavily EDM, you know, influenced. It's got soul in it. It's got it's got a kind of house in it. You know, mm-hmm. it's got it's got hip hop in it. It's it's kind of like a just a mix. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Goldlink is the type of artist that like DC should really nurture. Like there should be more Goldlinks. Um but there's only more shy glizzies. Yeah. Um, and the reason is because, in my opinion, the reason is because the types of venues that would nurture a gold link are not allowing gold links to have the stage. Um, the types of venues that nurture a shy glizzy um, are places that the new DC people would never go. Right. And so therefore they're able to nurture that because it's, it's, it's a very clear, there's a very clear delineation of what Fat Trail and what Shy Glizzy are doing, right? They make very street oriented music. Sure. Places like DC Star, these kids, these, 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 these uh, folks that are coming into this city new, they're not going to DC Star. You know what I mean? Well, I hear you. I'm not sure if I disagree that DC doesn't have the venues to support an artist like. I think it has them. I just don't think that those venues are nurturing the local talent and creating okay. opportunities for the local talent to be able to like like that what, what Bohemian Bohemian Caverns used to do and what yeah. you know a lot of these places like for folks that don't know like U Street is kind of like just boom it's just de- it's dead center right yeah. like it's like the middle of DC it's accessible to everything mm-hmm. it's you know it's just it's right there and it so used to it's be considered the uh I guess the Harlem of DC if you right will. right yeah. it's like the epicenter and so you know those having venues that were accessible to i could go see a tanya morgan concert you know on 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 one of three different venues on u street at any given time the fact that there was a stage that was open to folks that weren't necessarily wale mmg rick ross but at the same time were a part of that culture was just really dope and then you know you had your kev browns and your Mm -hmm. odysseys and you know even wale at a certain point in time right you had folks that were local and these venues gave them opportunities to you know to get their chops to really you know do shows open for people you know the phila days all those folks i don't see that anymore i feel like that's that's part of it right like you have to kind of nurture that young local talent and give them that opportunity and that's why i feel like there's only like a gold link and a Brett Fias and that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of tough. And Gold Link, you know, he had to move out to LA. So the Right, right. Layla had to move out to LA too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't oh, she just had an album come out, I wanna say in October or whatever. She's a singer. Mm-hmm. But she is almost kinda in that same vein as someone like a gold link. I mean the mm-hmm. music isn't the same, but it's got that electro mm-hmm. uh electronic digital vibe to it. I mean, I will. think that's where it's going. And and you know, I mean I'm okay with like like hip hop doesn't have to be a four on the floor breakbeat forever. You sure, know what I'm saying? Sure, sure, so sure. I I I really like I really like it when it sounds authentic. And I feel like Gold Link's music is very authentic. Like he sounds like he's making music that he loves and he's not just trying to make what everybody else is making. You I know what I mean? And uh yeah, I feel you. That's mm. something to think about though. Mm. Venues where they could support an artist like that. Yeah. I mean, cause maybe U Haul might be too big. Yeah, but U U Street Music Hall is like the closest thing to what yeah. what they have now, right? And um, uh, they have some smaller artists in there. They have, but it was because there's this cat Sim City. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's still like rocking, but you know, in in the blog era, so I'm talking like 2011 through like 
12, 13, he used to like open up for every big artist that they had there. Okay. And then when he would get on the bill, he would put other folks on the bill. So that's how like you got Phil Ade and you got, you know, K Beta and a lot of these cats that are around here. I think that dude was kind of the conduit to help other artists that he knew also be able to have a, a more local stage. I don't know if he's still affiliated though, because I don't I don't really see any shows like that anymore. I remember watching um I think he actually opened it, but um, there was a Smoke Dizza, Freddie Gibbs, and Big Crit uh, okay. show. It was the Return of Forever tour. Okay. Um, there, you know what I mean. But I don't. I don't think an, an event like that would ever be at U Street Music Hall again. Like it. It doesn't even really seem like it. You know. I'll tell you what, though, anymore. the mm-hmm. kids now. I think that a lot of them are really on their grind, mm-hmm. and I know that there are opportunities that if you are on your grind and you are a hard worker, you can carve out a space for yourself. You can't get put on. It's probably better now than at the time when like Odyssey was coming out. Oh, it's easier, but it's like a yes and no, right? Because what a lot of kids don't understand is like, it's like easy come, easy go, right? So like you can, you can create some dope stuff and put it out there on the internet and it get a, a bunch of views, right? But like, if you really want to build something, like the reason why Wale is Wale mm. is because like Wale really built something. Like people don't remember back when he was like touring with a go-go band and like people knew about his shows because he was shutting them down. You right. know what I'm saying? Was, was it UCB he was touring with? Might have been. That sounds I, right. I think it was Wale I'm and I'm not UCB. familiar with uh, early and, Wale and which yeah. go-go band. So early Wale, like when Wale first started, it was like... He, he he didn't have a whole lot of traction. Um, mm-hmm. He had like one record that people kind of knew. The, the first but, time um, I knew it was when he sampled the um, the Thug Passion joint, uh, for, uh, which was a BYB joint. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, it was. It, it might have even been BYB, but I want. I keep wanting to say it's but UCB. It, it probably was um, UCB. Yeah. Like I said, but, I'm not familiar with what the early Wale. But was doing. but he started doing shows with a very well-known go-go band. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what like put him on the map. Like people were like, have you ever seen a Wale show? Like, it's crazy. But then once he signed to Alito, he kind of left left that alone. And then yeah. he went to become kind of more like the Rick Ross type of artist. Like sure. he, so he like left the go-go thing behind, but th- he had yeah, set up such a- to the front. Yeah, no, he's got some, <laughs> I mean. I would I would have said pretty girls. I would I would have said pretty girls as more like a, a go, go real like kind of go go. Maybe it was a pretty girls of, and not that yeah. passion, but it's both. Yeah. They, they both use the same pocket and yeah. uh, they the were go-go. both BYB. Right, but um, yeah, man. I, I mean, I, I just say that to say like he did a lot of shows and became known for his live show, and that's the reason why he he was able to like continue on and really really go to the, what the next step is. So you know, for some of the cats that it one, it's sad that people have to leave here mm-hmm. and then come back yeah. to 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 create a, a name for themselves. But I also think you know maybe some of the kids that think that they can skip that step and just you know put out stuff on the internet and like get big. I would say, yo, like my advice to you, not to say that I'm the guy who should be giving you advice, <laughs> like, you know, you're you're gonna make your money on, on two things. One, touring, two, merchandise. Yeah. So you gotta do shows like to really get yourself where you need to be, to really make money and really build a fan base. That's how you have to do it. And so you hopefully your city has venues that can support you so that you can start locally doing shows, build a name for yourself, and then get shows in other places. Maybe we need to open up a venue, man. Yo, a lot of cats been saying that, yo. Like a lot of cats in our in our group of friends, it's like, 
we need to just open a venue. You know Look, what I'm saying? You know, Republic Gardens has been sitting there for ages. And yeah. I think that's like even considered like a landmark now. Yeah. I think because that, no one, no one, no yeah. one touches it. I think, I think somebody tried to like, like you're saying, tried to declare it like a landmark or something to make it difficult for people. Yeah. I mean, look, Mark Barnes had it open for a while. And mm. before he moved on to Dream, before he moved on to uh, Parker 14th. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I remember when that shut down in like 2008, nine. Yeah. I don't think it's been open since and it's just been sitting there. Yo, the complexion of that part of, of, of U Street, it yeah. was so different back in the day. Even yeah. Pure. Pure is like... Yo, I was telling this to someone recently. <laughs> I am so proud that Pure is still there. Yeah. Because the fact that of all the venues, I thought Pure was going to shut yeah. down. I mean, like everything on that side, you know, now you got Faint and Goat. There's yeah. no more Tabak. Decca shut down. But like, but Pure's changed a bit. Back, there was, back in the day, like Pure was like the swing, the swingers. Uh, oh, I would not. I wouldn't even say that. <laughs> but Pure was like you knew you were gonna get into a fight, or somebody was gonna get into a fight, or something was gonna happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Pure was like a little a little wild back in the day. Yeah? I think uh, they got into the hookahs though, and then mm. just like everybody else. Yeah, I mean that's always a safe bet. That's good money. Yeah, and it chills people out a little too mm-hmm. much. I remember back when it was just like Susie and then like Chicha was there mm-hmm. and that was it and now like everywhere has got it yeah you know yeah so anyway to wrap up the discussion no nah, look <laughs> like I said you know when we got here we were supposed to talk about something completely different and mm-hmm. it was just like oh why don't we just flip the record maybe we'll get something interesting out of this yeah we'll see yeah. so y'all can let us know if it's interesting or we're just rambling on and on <laughs> and being angry about living in the city we live in <laughs> nah but uh shout out to the cats uh, I, I think that's where I'm, I'm gonna leave it right shout out to the cats that are putting forth a, a direct effort to try to keep you know a little bit of culture mm-hmm. in the culture here in dc uh panama is definitely one of them oh, he's yeah. got he's got he's done tons of things but you know he's got panama his women's party i was telling this either i was telling this to him when he was here to mm-hmm. record uh the famous or infamous episode that just <laughs> completely got lost e- yeah. either it was here or it was in person when yeah. i was telling him this it was saying just how much like omrah meant to black people right, right in the sense that like live essentially uh for those who don't know bohemian caverns live and i guess we'll call it tap and parlor mm. uh, which used to be a bunch of different names. it used to be something. hominy yeah, it used yeah. to be like mahogany i think before that okay uh it had several different names right, right. but that block omrah had at least for I don't know how many years. I mean, it felt like ten years he had at least for. Mm. And the guy who owned it was I want to say this like this Turkish cat wasn't very friendly, <laughs> didn't like the transitions that they made. Right. Mm. So, you know when I remember when Omrah was just opening up, we were trying to do a party there in two thousand and five or two thousand and six, and that's when I first met Panama. Mm. And because he was one of he was working there, he was like one of the, not the promoters, but he was like in management and whatnot. Right. This was before he had the very smart brothers. Right. And um. You know, it was a nice little venue. You know, you had Bohemian Caverns downstairs for like your live music and whatnot. And mm-hmm. that was the only thing that had consistently been bringing money, even from, from the previous owner. Uh-huh. And that was back when if you wanted to go out in D.C., you had to wear nice pants mm-hmm. and, a, and a belt and a, and a suit. <laughs> yeah. uh, not a suit, but like a collared yeah, a nice shirt, shirt. Yeah. and some nice shoes. And that yeah. was the only way for them to somehow distinguish that you weren't a thug or whatever. Right. right? And so when the clientele like us started to come in, skinny jeans, baggy jeans, sandals weird Jordans. fucking hair yeah. just whatever right you know people <laughs> wanting to be themselves yeah, people yeah. rolling out in pajama pants or whatever right those folks started coming out and the owner was just like what is this yeah. you know 
who are you bringing into my establishment? Like, whatever, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you had the restaurant level on the main level. Mm-hmm. And then upstairs, you had Liv. Yep. And what I always loved about Liv was that, like, you know, it went through cycles of being a hot spot to go to. Mm-hmm. And then it went through some cycles of it being, you know, low key. Right. But no matter what, if you were doing, if you were black and you were doing something artistic or whatever, mm-hmm. even if you didn't have much support, the space was available for you to try to do something there right. and look maybe you lost money you owe the money venue or you owe the venue money that's what happened <laughs> when, when oh had to do his party there. oh yeah <laughs> yeah i remember Sounds i remember uh, real quick i remember they you know oh and a collective of them tried to do a party there uh-huh. and they wanted me to go in on the money and then when i found out the arrangement i was like nah I'm, this is before i had a job i was i i don't think i had graduated yet mm-hmm. and i was working construction so this mm-hmm. is i had no money to do that and i was like yeah this is gonna lose this is gonna lose money but whatever mm-hmm. but yeah you know even if you ended up losing money like the space i felt like was always open and available if you wanted to do something interesting artistic and especially black like mm-hmm. it was just always there for you which is why i always you know i always have respect for omar and the team that he put in place mm-hmm. Even if things didn't work out financially for them, right. I don't know all the politics that were involved. I don't know the whole story, but right. I'm just saying, like, even if things didn't necessarily work out in that regard, mm-hmm. you know, when DC was really changing, you know, from 2011 to 2015, mm-hmm. uh, when it was going in a direction that was very unappealing to me, at the very least, I knew that that corner of 11th mm-hmm. and U was there and it was for black people and it was a good space yeah, for that. Yeah. And to have that not be there anymore, it's just like, damn, it just yeah. fucking sucks. Yeah, and no, I feel you. But yeah, Greg and Jason, uh, Wave, the Wave Cats. Oh, yeah. um, um, and you Sabrina, know. I think, is the woman involved. Shout out to her as well. Okay, shout yeah. out to her. I've never met her. I think her name is Sabrina. Um, And uh, who else? Uh, who else do we definitely have to shout out? Uh, Rock Creek Social Cats. Yeah, Rock Creek uh, Social. Um, you know, Jerome, Scooty, uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of cats that are are, are still you know contributing to the scene for for. Gotta give a shout people. out to Lil Soso. They're the original ones who did the celebration. Um, oh, this is and that's yeah. even before Lunchbox Theory. Oh they, yeah, they were doing their celebration thing. So shout that's out to dope, them because they're yeah. still around. Yeah, and Underdog and okay. Oh yeah, folks yo, I'm so proud of where stuff. Underdog has come from and where he is now. Like, yeah. I'm so proud of him. Josh Sonic, yo. Obviously, right. Josh Sonic is yeah, a man. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, we're definitely not complaining and saying that there's nobody yeah. trying to or or doing things within the culture. It's definitely those folks that we've mentioned and plenty more that we we should definitely celebrate. Um, but gentrification is also real. Yeah. Just a quick note about Josh Sonic. Actually, we were at this District Distillery on Friday night, and Josh okay. Sonic was there, and. Josh Sonic was playing some stuff that... What was going on? Because somebody actually hit me and was like, yo, I'm at District Distillery. I was like, okay, I don't even know what that is. Well, that's where we were. <laughs> it was uh, it's, it's right. It's right across the street from basically where you were. It's on, like, uh. it's on 14th and you heading towards 15th. Right? Okay. It's basically, it's where... Um, not Georgia. It's, with, it's, when, uh, it's where Utopia used to be. Yeah, I think it's Utopia. Utopia was another jazz spot. Okay. Anyway, he's playing there, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, he was doing stuff like he was playing like Anita Baker, mm-hmm. and then he played the um, the Ray Charles, uh, the night and day, oh, uh, you know, the night time, night and day sounds- is the right time. Oh, okay, the one okay, that they okay. did on the Cosby Show, the uh-huh. baby. <laughs> anyway, like he was playing stuff like that, and right, he was doing right. whatever he wanted to do. That's dope. Then he got into some mixes where. 
I guess he was g- getting a little more experimental. Mm-hmm. And the one of the guests who I was with, because uh-huh. uh, we're all there for a birthday party, one of her friends mm-hmm. um, said to me, like, he don't even know me. He said to me, he's like, yo, are you going to talk to the DJ? Like, set him straight. I was like, why me? He's like, he's like, I don't know. Like, I feel, feel like someone needs to go talk to him. I was like, do you know who that is? He's like, who? I was like, that's Jamil. Mm-hmm. He was like, and he looked. I'm not sure if he knew who Jamil was or uh, if he just let me talk shit, but I was like, you don't tell him what to play. Right. He's earned the right That's to play real. whatever the fuck he wants to play That's real. without Re- having anyone disturb him. Real like, DJs don't take requests. And, and here's the thing. He'll, he will take requests. Like He yeah, took a request yeah, yeah. from me that night. I asked him if he could you know, play some <laughs> soca. It was dying down. You never seen that shirt? The no requests? I, yeah, I thought real, about getting one. There's a, there's a, it says real DJs don't take requests. Here's the, he'll, he'll take... He'll take requests from certain people if he knows like what's up, right? Mm-hmm. Like because there was a while whenever I was going to Marvin, I'd be like, "Yo, you got that Ramsey Lewis for me?" He's like, mm-hmm. "Yo, I got you." Mm-hmm. And he would always play a different Ramsey Lewis track oh, before yeah. the night really heated up. But like, I was the only one going in there to ask for <laughs> Ramsey Lewis, right. and I know he fucks with him because it's Ramsey Lewis. Right, right, right. So um, yeah. Anyway, just a quick little side note about Josh Sonic. So yeah, diverging, but but yeah, <laughs> shout out to shout out to all the cats that are, are contributing for sure. Keep. You street black, keep DC black. Hashtag do it, do, do what you can, do what you can, really. <laughs> and we're gonna figure out how we can contribute because we've been here as well. And and I think you know, as as somebody who's been way too wrapped up in my uh and working for the man, mm-hmm. I definitely would love to get back into trying to contribute something for hey, people like us. You know, look, I can say proudly that I think I contributed a little bit. I mean, look, with the, with the recess and yeah. with the other events that we try to put on, mm. um, and I even have something in the pipeline which I cannot discuss because the minute I say something, someone's going to try to steal it from me. It's dope. <laughs> Trust me. But um, Imotep and I might try to put something together uh, which would be really, really cool. But yeah, no, nah, there's, there's, there's stuff going on. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. All right. Shout out to the people we named. Shout out to the people we missed. We Peace yeah. and blessings. Peace. Peace.